Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, maybe you'll believe we're crazy, but it's never too early to think about the holiday season, especially if you're a retailer looking to recover from a pandemic. We'll have the early outlook. Also this morning, the Flag City Night Out event is back in 2021. A chance for members of the community to get to know the people who protect their safety and vice versa. It's a countdown to kickoff. Finley Trojans head coach Stefan Adams previews this weekend's Midnight Madness event to usher in a new season of high school football. And we have more delicious and easy to make recipes straight from Kyra's kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, July 30th, 2021. Today, International Day of Friendship, the International Day of Friendship. And this is uh, kind of interesting. It turns out that friends are easier to forgive than strangers are. According to research, the University of Toronto, they found in an experiment that people were less likely to experience anger, contempt, and disgust when their own family members or friends do something wrong as opposed to just some random person. Researchers believe this is because we believe that our family members and our friends are inherently moral and good people and less deserving of punishment for their transgressions than strangers are. I guess that makes sense. It's very easy to believe the worst about someone we don't know than it is about someone we do know. The lead author of the study, Rachel Forbes, says our findings suggests that having a close relationship with the transgressor in a certain situation heavily affects the responses to their bad behavior. When someone close to us behaves unethically, we face a conflict between upholding our own moral values and maintaining our relationship. Researchers acknowledge they did not examine responses to extremely severe immoral actions. I mean, there are some things that are unforgivable regardless of who does them. Uh, Those actions, they say, would certainly place a greater strain on the relationship and therefore could show different effects. We're talking about minor things. Someone cuts you off in traffic or, I don't know, take something and doesn't return it uh, or is slow to return something that they borrowed. Although why you would loan something to a complete stranger, but you get the idea, right? So anyway, what I take away from that is we make more friends. The world will be a kinder place just because we are more likely to forgive our friends than complete strangers. So the more friends you have, the better the world will be. It's kind of what I read into that, but kind of interesting. Some of the other uh, first things you need to know this morning as we get your Friday uh, started. Here is the latest product shortage. There have been so many things that have been in short supply post-pandemic. Here is the latest. If you have a pet, you may have noticed it's been difficult to find their favorite foods in stores. The issue is that many people got pets during the pandemic, and retailers like Amazon, Target, PetSmart... Desperately trying to keep up with increased demand and strains on the supply chain. That's what they say. Now, this is, I'm not sure that I buy into that explanation. 
more people did get pets during the pandemic, but those pets were still out there. It's not like they were created out of thin air. They were being fed by the shelters or what have you before we adopted them. So it's not like the pets just suddenly appeared. But anyway, that's what they say is part of the problem. And of course, uh, they have also been affected by higher pricing. Uh, higher prices of basic foodstuffs such as corn, soy, and meat, the things that go into pet food, on top of rising transportation and labor costs. All of this combines, uh, and this is affecting all food supplies for pets and humans alike, but it is uh, putting a strain on pet food makers who are also facing increased competition for animal and plant-based oils, because more of those are going into renewable fuel supplies. So there is that as well. Anyway, long and short of it is, it is harder to find pet food, and the pet food that is out there is getting more expensive. Now you know why. Tough time to be a flight attendant. A, A new survey by the Association of Flight Attendants Union They uh, surveyed 5,000 of their members, flight attendants from across the country, and 17% report experiencing some sort of physical incident in the first half of this year. More than 85% reported dealing with unruly passengers this year, and 61% said that they were the subject of racist, sexist, or homophobic slurs during those altercations. As a result, the union is asking for more support from federal agencies, including the Department of Justice and the Federal Aviation Administration. The data also shows about 75% of reports of aggressive passengers involved disputes over masks, which is consistent with the stories that we have heard all year long in the news. 71% who filed incident reports related to aggressive passengers say they received no follow-up and a majority did not observe any effort to address the rise in unruly passengers by their employers. So, saying that the airlines need to crack down on this sort of thing. So, hmm. Now, that is uh, that is sad. Uh, we are traveling more. The airlines are seeing more passengers as people want to get out and, and travel. And I understand the mask mandates are uh, wearing thin. Our patience is wearing thin. They're getting old and we're tired of this. But don't take it out on the flight attendants. It's not like they can do anything about it. I just, it's very sad. A couple of other uh, interesting items uh, here. Maybe for this is what we should do with anyone who has uh, been unruly on a flight Maybe we need to banish them to this form of transportation because, frankly, this sounds just creepy to me. It says, if you are looking to get away and spend more time celebrating a naval legend, you are in luck. The makers of Captain Crunch cereal are offering the chance to win a two-night stay aboard the captain's very own houseboat, the Captain's Quarters. (laughs) According to the company... Uh, one lucky winner will get to explore more of the captain's world and peek into his storied life, complete with memories from his past, decor straight from his hometown of Crunch Island, his favorite games, old family recipes, and more. The sweet floating domicile is docked in Boston, and while travel to get there is not covered, 
Winners also snag a $2,000 gift card. So for a chance for you and up to three guests to kick back, relax, and get your crunch on like never before, head on over to captainsquarters.com between now and the end of this weekend. Sunday, August 1st is the deadline to enter uh, to win this. You can explain what makes you a Captain Crunch super fan. (laughs) Now, I love a good bowl of Captain Crunch as much as anyone else, but this just sounds creepy to me. You know what I mean? Spending spending a two-night stay aboard the Captain's Quarters with Captain Crunch just just sounds a little creepy to me. That's why I say this is what we can do with everyone who (laughs) has been unruly on a plane. We can banish them to the Captain's Quarters. (laughs) But if you are so inclined... Uh, You can check that out. And uh, how about this? One of the other first things you need to know to get your Friday morning started. Do you realize that there are only 14 women represented among the 266 statues at the U.S. Capitol? And now a bipartisan group of 21 congressional lawmakers want to up that count of women by at least two They have proposed statues of former Supreme Court Justices Sandra Day O'Connor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg be added to the Capitol Rotunda. Are they all in the Rotunda? I don't know if they're all in the Rotunda. This says uh, statues at the U.S. Capitol just in general. 266, only 14 women, so they want to add two. Uh, Legislation introduced yesterday uh, by a bipartisan group of lawmakers, most of them women, but some men as well, to honor the first and second Supreme Court female justices, um, one, a conservative nominated by a Republican, Sandra Day O'Connor, and the other, uh, a liberal, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, nominated by a Democrat. So, uh, no partisanship here. The bipartisan women's caucus said in a statement that statues of Ginsburg and O'Connor in the Capitol would serve as a reminder that a woman's place is everywhere. So make of that what you will. I think that's uh, I think that's probably a good idea. I like the fact that it is bipartisan. They've got uh, one conservative, one liberal uh, voice from the court represented there, and they're both women. So I would see no problem with that. We'll see if it goes anywhere. There you go. Some of the... Uh, Most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. The first things you need to know this morning. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, mostly sunny today with a high of 75. Just a few clouds tonight, a low of 55. Flag City Balloon Fest is returning this summer after being canceled last year due to the pandemic. This year we will be having over 40 balloons attending the event. The pilots are very excited to be back. And we also have various special shape balloons, which you'll see over the skies of Hancock County, August 13th through the 15th. Balloon Fest's Kelly Bibbler says there will be a ton of things to check out at Balloon Fest this year, including the entertainment district and beer tent, food vendors, live music, and of course, Glow Encounter. One Glow! Balloon Fest will be held August 13th, 14th, and 15th at Findlay's Emory Adams Park. Get more on our website. Governor DeWine is offering vaccine incentives for Ohio employees and their spouses. 
He says employees will get $100, while spouses will get 25 bucks for getting the shot. The money's being paid through the state's health plan. It's also retroactive for state workers who've been vaccinated already. A class in which people learn about the inner workings of the Hancock County Sheriff's Office is returning this fall after it was canceled last year due to the pandemic. Becky Smith says this will be the 31st Citizens Sheriff's Academy class. Our goal is to inform the public of what we do and how their tax dollars are spent. Classes will begin on September 9th and run for nine weeks on Thursday nights. Each class will focus on a different aspect of the Sheriff's Office. Get more details on our website. The Marathon Center for the Performing Arts and the United Way of Hancock County are co-hosting a five-week virtual singing competition called 419 Sings. The competition invites vocalists and bands from the 419 area code to submit a video sample of their best work. People entering the competition must be at least 18 years old and be from the 419 area code. Prizes include $2,500 cash, a professional recording session, and your own headline performance at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Get more details on the competition on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, you may think I'm a little crazy here, but it is never too early to talk about Christmas for businesses that rely on the holiday sales bump, to be sure. And especially after last year, how those business owners feel about the economic recovery in general and their future have a lot to do with the outlook for the fourth quarter of the year. Recent survey commissioned by Capital One gives us an early look at how those business owners are feeling as the country continues to reopen and the issues that are top of mind as they prepare for the holiday season. Zeneb Mahmood is Senior Director for Capital One Business. And what are some of the key takeaways from this survey? What does it tell us about how small businesses are feeling as they emerge from the pandemic here? The biggest takeaway is that small business owners are very optimistic about the future. Nearly three quarters of respondents tell us that their businesses' financial positions are either the same or better than pre-pandemic levels. And over 70% of respondents tell us that they're expecting an increase in their sales over the next six months and are actively investing in growing their businesses. This is an incredibly positive outlook given the last year and a half we've all been through. Yeah, no question. So what are some of the concerns that are top of mind for business owners as they prepare for the fourth quarter of the upcoming holiday season and such? Small business owners are focused on three key concerns. The first is inflation. They really don't know how inflation will impact consumer demand for their goods and services or how that will impact their cost of goods. The second is hiring. Nearly a third of respondents to our survey told us that they've attempted to hire over the past three months and they've been unsuccessful, and that could really impact their sales projections. Lastly, supply chain impacts are very real. Everything from sourcing their raw materials and goods all the way through to shipping delays to their customers. Small business owners have been really trying to get back to pre-pandemic operational levels, and it's been quite challenging. I would imagine that the closer we get to the holiday shopping season, uh, the more concerning those issues will be if they are not able to be resolved between now and then. I think that's very fair. And one of the things that we heard small businesses are doing is they're actively investing in technical transformations, digital transformations. As you can imagine, when the pandemic hit, it was a wake-up call to a lot of small business owners about their need to invest in digital transformation. And getting that right could actually help 
alleviate some of the challenges that um, they're concerned about. Mm. I'm curious, when specifically was this survey conducted? Because in the past couple of weeks or so, uh, stories about a new wave of the Delta variant have begun to dominate the news. And I'm wondering how concerned these business owners are about the possibility of having to take a step back, that that may derail all of the gains of the past several months. Is that something that you asked uh, about specifically, or can you get a sense from what you did hear about any apprehension or entrepreneurs kind of holding their breath waiting for the other shoe to drop, as it were? That's a great question. We didn't specifically ask uh, survey respondents about this, and that's something we can probably take a pulse on the next time we run this survey. But I would imagine this goes right back to that piece around digital transformation, Mm. right? If these small business owners really get e-commerce right, even if we go into another shutdown, um, e-commerce can still flow, and that could help them balance some of the the impacts that another shutdown could bring. Also want to ask you about this because it's not entirely about the coronavirus, although certainly that has dominated uh, the news, particularly economic news over the past uh, year and a half. There is also the question of social justice issues. And I know in speaking to uh, small business owners locally, I know a lot of uh, small business owners uh, feel as though they, I don't want to say trapped between a rock and a hard place, but wondering exactly what is the best way to respond, what role they should play, if any, in addressing social justice issues, because it is very difficult. Uh, on the the one hand, if you uh, respond in the wrong way, you may, uh, you know, give the, accidentally send the the wrong message or, uh, you know, it is very difficult for small business owners, particularly to know how to proceed here. So what are their thoughts uh, according to this survey? It's a great question. You're right. It's challenging. And within our respondents, we saw a very clear split, literally down the middle. 50% of small business owners don't think that they have a voice in any of this and that they should, frankly, remain silent. Whereas the other half of respondents believe that small business owners have a significant influence and should speak up on behalf of some of these movements. I will say of the businesses who chose to actively and publicly speak out um, in support of some of these movements last year, they report having very positive feedback from their customers, from their local communities, and it reflected in their revenues. Very interesting stuff. Uh, and and so, again, this is a, a survey uh, that uh, commissioned by Capital One Business. What are you doing? What do you take this, uh, the, the information you glean from this survey to help support small businesses uh, during this uh, time where, you know, again, it's still a very challenging time, even as the economy as a whole sort of ramps back up again? That's right. And we at Capital One are very passionate about supporting small businesses. We know that they are the cornerstone of our national economy, our local economies, and our local communities. So we're doing a number of things to support them. The first is that we already have a suite of financial tools, products, um, and services, all specifically curated and designed for small businesses. We also have a completely free virtual library right on our website, CapitalOne.com full of educational resources for small business owners to leverage to really come out of this pandemic successfully. And lastly, we partner very closely with nonprofit organizations to support small businesses, as well as community development financial institutions to both provide educational resources and financial resources for small businesses. 
still an awful lot of unknowns out there, but uh, so incredibly important as we come up on what for many businesses is the most important time of the year uh, approaching fourth quarter and the holiday shopping season and so on. Again, Zanep Mahmood, Senior Director of Capital One Business. Let's mention again the website where uh, folks can get more information. You can visit CapitalOne.com. Well, the Flag City Night Out event is coming back in 2021. It is a chance for members of the community to get to know the people who protect their safety and vice versa. Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White is with us on the line this morning. And uh, refresh my memory, this was uh, one of those things that did not happen last year, right? Uh, Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having us. Yes, uh, 2020, just like many other things, uh, we had to adapt and cancel our in-person flag city night out now that being said we did move to a virtual format Mm -hmm. and i know just everyone absolutely loved everything that was virtual right yeah (laughs) Uh, so so yeah um luckily this year we're able to move back to a more in-person format and uh get out there and you know, celebrate things with the community again. Yeah, because there really is no substitute for, and this is really the whole point of the night out program, uh, to be able to have that face-to-face, one-on-one interaction between the community and those in law enforcement, first responders, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from our standpoint, in uh, the police, uh, sheriff, uh, <laughs> law enforcement world, most people generally see us when we're out driving around the patrol cars and we're just a face kind of in the car. Right. Or they're seeing us on a call where things aren't really going the best because mm-hmm. that's usually why people have us there. Yeah. So actually being able to be somewhere in a laid back environment and what better place than Riverside Park, it allows the public a chance to interact with us on a one on one basis in a very laid back atmosphere. And a positive uh, interaction because, as you were alluding to, most of us uh, associate officers of the law with, uh, you know, bad days. Things have gone wrong, very, very wrong. So uh, this is an opportunity to connect in a more positive uh, situation. And not, uh, you know, this is, again, for both adults and kids. I mean, you know, again, as we've seen demonstrated in, in incidents uh, around the country time and time again uh, a lot can be there's a lot of benefit from uh, establishing that relationship with both adults and the youth absolutely anytime that we can get out there and we can forge those relationships at an early age yeah and let kids know that hey we're, we're just not there to arrest people we're there to help and if you need help you can come to us and sometimes, especially with everything that kids are seeing in the media, that can be a, a tough concept sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if we can get out at events like this where it's more fun and we're playing games and activities with the kids, much like our officers did and firefighters with uh, the kids at kickball yeah. uh, the other week. Right. You know, if we can get out there and do stuff in a fun, relaxed environment. Uh, it really does forge those relationships. Now, uh, that being said, uh, certainly in this community, you come to this with uh, a bit of a better starting point than maybe some other communities. I mean, I I, I would think that uh, you would have to describe the relationship between uh, law enforcement and, and first responders and the community that they serve uh, is a, a pretty positive one to begin with. So, uh, Absolutely. And I attribute that not just to our officers, but our, our community. Um, we 
I, at least I like to say, I may be a little biased, right? But uh, I like to say that our officers do a really good job of maintaining these relationships, even if it's something as simple like our ice cream tickets that we pass out in the summertime right? when we see uh, kids uh, with helmets, you know. It, it's just a chance for the officers to hop out of the car and talk with the kids. It's just small stuff like that that we do throughout the year that uh, really helps build on this uh, yeah, pretty much uh, I, every single year a, following a, a, a worthy point that this is a concerted effort. It doesn't just happen by accident. So the uh, Flag City Night Out event is coming up on Tuesday. You mentioned at Riverside Park. Give us all of the details here. Sure, absolutely. Yep, uh, this year's event will be much like uh, the past at Riverside Park near uh, the volleyball courts, and it's going to be held from six to nine p.m. Now, this is a 100% free family event. We always tell everyone, leave the wallets at home. That's uh, one of the attractions to this. Uh, and it is family-friendly. So kids, adults, there's something for everyone to enjoy. Uh, there'll be free food, entertainment, uh, live demonstrations. Everyone loves the police canines. That's always uh, kind of one of the staples of our event. Mm-hmm. So if you ever wonder what the canines can do, you can actually come out and watch a demonstration. There'll be a couple volunteer fire departments on hand to kind of tear apart a car with a jaws of life to show people, you know, if uh, they were in a crash or an accident, this is the equipment that that fire department would be using to kind of help save you. Uh, there's many different kinds of vehicles that'll be there from police cars, to ambulances, fire trucks, tow trucks, etc. that people and kids can come out and hop inside and check out and, again, see the equipment that, uh, that we have. Uh, and, and I'll say that's and I'll say that's really cool, not just for the kids, but for the grown up kids as well. I, I always think that's that's really cool. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah I noticed that at some of my events, just uh, <laughs> seeing people, you know, with a grin on their face when they flip on the lights yeah. for the first time. You know, being able to do that, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Finley High School's uh, steel drum band Fantasia will be there. Um, that's always kind of a hit with the crowd. Uh, they love hearing them play. And probably one of the main attractions of our event is our annual mascot games. We will have several area mascots. It's actually shaping up to be one of our best years for mascots out there competing in what we call mascot Olympics. But really, we're kind of talking about some simple uh, games that uh, are designed for mascots to play. And during the intermission of our mascot games, we will also have the police versus fire games where police officers and firefighters will be pairing up with kids from the crowd to kind of run a few uh, games to let the mascots cool off. So a lot of fun going on. I know uh, Movement Church will be there providing their root beer floats and activities for the kids. The Y on the Fly will be there for activities with the kids. We will also have uh, Padrones providing, uh, Padrones Pizza Finley providing free pizza throughout the night. And uh, at Snacks, they also provide uh, food throughout the night. So lots of uh, lots of people are contributing to this, uh, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. It sounds like it's going to be an awesome event back uh, after having to be a virtual event last year. The 2021 Flag City Night Out is coming up on Tuesday evening, uh, 6 to 9, your Riverside Park. And in case folks are wondering specifically, uh, you're uh, over in the Carnahan Avenue uh, area. But just follow the the crowd and look for all of the uh, flashing lights and everything, I guess. Sure. Hey, absolutely. And I will encourage people if uh, you can't be there for whatever reason, but you still want to show your support, 
a simple symbolic gesture that you can do is turn on your porch light. Uh, we would say like with a blue light to just kind of show everyone that you're standing with the area safety services and kind of the fight against crime. Uh, and should there be a cancellation, which yeah. uh, right now, knock on wood, the weather's looking great. Uh, but should there be a cancellation, we will make sure to get that out on our social media as well as be notifying all the news outlets. As we mentioned, it's a chance for members of the community to get to know the people who protect their safety and vice versa. It's also a great opportunity for uh, those law enforcement officers to get to know the people that they serve. Uh, happening Tuesday, Riverside Park, Flag City Night Out, and Finley Police Department Crime Prevention Officer Brian White with us this morning. Brian, thanks very much. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Well, believe it or not, we are just three weeks away from the start of the high school football season, and tomorrow night, the Findlay Trojans are hosting a Midnight Madness event for fans to celebrate the opening of preseason practices. New Trojans head coach Stefan Adams joins us this morning. How excited, Coach, are the players to know that they are actually welcoming in fans again after things were so limited last year? Yeah, you can feel the excitement. You can feel the buzz. Um, you know, we have a really talented group, a really good group of guys, and I think just the idea of setting the tone off, uh, you know, the way we have this summer, uh, really kind of doing a lot of things together uh, as a unit, as a family, as I always say. And then the idea of, you know, bringing back, you know, our community, you know, our, our community or our family community, mm-hmm. uh, those who support us consistently at games, who show up in those cold weather games and those hot early season games. <laughs> you know, I think everybody's just super excited, coaches, players uh, alike, uh, to kind of create some, some, some buzz. And, yeah. some, and some excitement about what's to come. And, uh, you know, coming off of a, such a crazy year last year with so many things going on in our world, uh, what a beautiful time to kind of come back and bring everybody together. Now, as, as we mentioned, this uh, marks the beginning of the official uh, beginning of, of preseason practices. And uh, being that you are, you know, first time, new head coach, new players, new team, uh, all of this, what's really interesting about this, I don't know how many people realize this, you kind of have to get up to speed rather quickly because the expanded playoff system means that the season opener had to be moved up. So, like we said, only three weeks to get ready for that first game against Anthony Wayne. Yeah, it definitely was a unique situation, but, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be the head coach before, so I've done this mm-hmm. first time thing a couple of times that I've kind of felt that I had like a good idea on what I wanted to do uh, to make sure that we were on par and that we felt good before we hit this mark where we are right now. So uh, we've been able to put in some work along with, uh, uh, the, you know, the camp days that we've been allotted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been able to use this time this summer to really focus and get our, our program culture in um, to get our offense and defense and special team skill, you know, uh, schemes in. Uh, so we actually feel, you know, we're at a, a decent place where, um, I'm thankful for my previous experiences because I think we've handled it the right way. Yeah. It, it, speaking of the time that you've had to kind of get up to speed and spend time with the team. And of course, uh, obviously once you get into the meat of the practices, you get those first practices, you'll be able to answer this perhaps a little bit better, but based on what you know, thus far, what are you most excited about for this team? You know, um, I'm super excited because I, I came in and got to, you know, know I, I remember these guys as seventh and eighth graders, you know, mm-hmm. my seniors. Some of these kids were part of my first uh, classes uh, of elementary school students when I was at Jefferson and Chamberlain Hill <laughs> Elementary. So for me, it, it, there's, there's some sentimental factor of, you know, I get to see these kids who were little guys running around in the playground, and now these are juniors and seniors of kids that I've uh, got a chance to see kind of grow up. So 
I'm just super excited to see this talented group, these kids that I know. Uh, our guys have come together, you know, with everything that we've done this summer and really see them be able to put on the field all the hard work that has gone off this off season. Um, since the day I've walked in and kind of laid down a foundation, um, we've had a, the core guys that uh, have really bought into what we're looking for. So you know, I'm just excited to see those guys go out there and perform to the best of their ability and uh, us coaches just getting out of their way and letting them play. So give us the details on tomorrow night's uh, Midnight Madness event. Absolutely. So, you know, gates will open at, uh, you know, 10.15, 10.30. We're going to have the youth programs. Uh, that'll be my chance to really uh, talk to them, uh, introduce myself, my coaching staff, and then as time goes on, we have some cool games and some interactive games where we're going to pull some people from the stands. We're going to pull some of the administrators that are going to be out there helping some of the familiar faces. And we're going to do just some fun games, you know, uh, an accuracy competition, a uh, punt, pass, kick, you know, competition. You know, uh, you know we're going to do all these little games to really uh, create an, uh, an interactive atmosphere. Uh, our band's going to be able to play a selection. Um, we're going to wait till. Uh, you know, that 1158 mark and then do a countdown. And when countdown starts, we're going to jump right into a uh, practice uh, and really kind of uh, really jumpstart, you know, the beginning of fall camp uh, and fall season. So, you know, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good time. There's going to be some um, some vendors out there, a couple people out there. And uh, like I said, just a way to connect with our community and in a setting where they get to learn us and we get to learn them. I'm really looking forward to it. Here's to a great season. Again, new Trojans head coach Stefan Adams with us this morning. Coach, thanks very much for taking the time, and certainly best of luck this season. Hey, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Trojan true and all in. Excited. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We all get confused sometimes. I, I think we could all uh, maybe relate uh, to this. But this is embarrassing <laughs> when you get so confused, you call the police only to find out that eh, probably uh, no need to call the police. Uh, police in New Zealand say they were called to a woman's property after she arrived home at 1.20 in the morning following an evening out and discovered a pair of footprints in her doorway. Whoa. She was naturally unnerved, called the cops. She said the uh, footprints were made of a salt-like material. Material Now, remember, uh, New Zealand in the Southern Hemisphere, it's winter there. So she sees these uh, footprints of a salt-like material on her uh, in her doorway and uh, becomes rather concerned. She calls the cops, and after investigating and performing a security check, police determined that the footprints were her own. <laughs> uh, Ma'am, those are... Your footprints. That's <laughs> better safe than sorry, though, I guess. I in... uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news happened on Wednesday. Thomas George, age 66 of Brackenridge, Pennsylvania, pleaded guilty in federal court to armed bank robbery. Uh, it seems a couple of years ago, Mr. George entered the Allegheny uh, Ludlam Brackenridge Federal Credit Union wearing a mask and pointed what seemed to be a gun at two tellers. He demanded that they open the gate leading to the area behind the counter and then ordered one of the tellers to open the vault. He stole $101,000. A witness saw him leave and run to a vehicle. 
Surveillance footage and license plate readers showed the vehicle was registered to Mr. George, uh, whom credit union employees said was a longtime customer of the, <laughs> of the credit union and actually had been there earlier that morning driving the same vehicle to deposit 50 bucks in his account. <laughs> so not the most brilliant bank robber in the world. Apparently, six days later, Mr. George surrendered to police and the cops found a bag in his furnace containing $90,195. So of the $101,000 that he stole, minus the 50 bucks that was his that he had deposited in the bank earlier, <laughs> he, he decided to burn. He, was so, he felt so guilty about it, he decided to burn more than $90,000 of it. I'm guessing this is a gentleman who does not have a bright future in the career of bank robbery. This is hmm. uh, loud chewing. Is that on your list of pet peeves, annoying habits that some people have loud chewing? It's certainly understandable. That ranks high on a number of people's uh, mo uh, list of most annoying habits. But for one tenant living in a shared accommodation in Burgess Hill, West Sussex, England, the sound of their roommate eating was so infuriating that it turned into an all-out brawl. Police eventually had to be called in to break it up. Uh, it is a condition known as misophonia. Uh, selective sound sensitivity syndrome is a condition which sufferers experience a strong emotional response to certain types of sounds. <laughs> Trigger sounds have a number of features in common and are almost always human-generated noise uh, under voluntary control. Common triggers include sniffing, jingling coins, barking dogs, and, yes, the sound of chewing. But still... Turned into an all-out brawl that police had to be called in to break up. <clears throat> Maybe look for a new roommate. Maybe that would be a better idea. Or find yourself another place to live. Also in the uh, broken news, a New Jersey boy is now recovering from an exotic animal bite. You remember the story we had yesterday of the guy who, and I can't remember exactly where this was at a zoo somewhere, uh, stuck his arm in the, what was it, the leopard exhibit or the panther exhibit or whatever and got mauled. A New Jersey boy now recovering from an exotic animal bite. Authorities initially believed the child was bitten by a monkey in uh, Wall uh, Wallington Park, uh, but the Bergen County Sheriff's Office now says that the creature is actually a kinkajou. The kinkajou are small mammals frequently mistaken for monkeys and hail from Central and South America. They are popular within the exotic pet trade. The boy was taken to Hackensack Medical Center for treatment while New Jersey conservation officers issued the kinkajou's owner a summons. Now, in case you're not familiar with the kinkajou, it is a nocturnal mammal that looks a little like a monkey, but is more closely related to a raccoon with sharp claws and teeth. It is both very aggressive and easily startled. And when they feel threatened, kinkajous typically attack the face or genital area. So, yeah, let's keep those as a pet. That's... <laughs> what? What? Uh, why would someone keep something like that uh, as a pet? Something that's easily startled 
and very aggressive and attacks the face and genital area. <laughs> maybe, maybe just stick to a dog. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. This has got to be one of the, speaking of wild animals, this has got to be one of the scariest things to wake up to. A family in Rockledge, Florida was woken up uh, in the middle of the night by their dog barking. And uh, the owner of the home, Stephanie Spratling, says, turned on the porch light and a an alligator was sitting on my doormat. She said she waited to see if the gator would leave, but instead it just paced back and forth from the window where her dog was barking to the window where her son's bedroom was. She called police, who ended up calling a trapper, was able to catch the gator. Um, they say they've had several neighbors with the same issues with gators coming out toward them. She believes that someone may be feeding the gators. <laughs> feeding the gators. That doesn't sound like a very smart thing to do, you know? If you live in an area populated by gators, probably not best to uh, feed them. They're not squirrels. They don't... <clears throat> And finally, in the broken news today, this is a crazy story. A Louisiana adult nightclub is set to receive over $1 million in federal COVID relief funding. Officials say Wednesday, or said on Wednesday, that the Penthouse Club is getting the money as part of the Shuttered Venue Operations Grant Program run by the U.S. Small Business Administration. According to federal data, the club will get more money than the Manship Theater, Louisiana Symphony Association, Theater Baton Rouge, Playmakers of Baton Rouge, and Opera Louisiane. <laughs> well, in relative popularity, I suppose, it's... <clears throat> Authorities are looking into the grant because under the program guidelines, eligible venues must not present live performances of a sexual nature. And yet they're giving a million dollars to an adult nightclub. Mm. Might be a loophole in that program somewhere. There you go. Uh, some of the more interesting, odd and unusual stories this morning. And today's broken news update brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Trojan football is back on WFIN. This is Tim Montgomery. Join myself and Finley football legend Cliff Hyde for all the action of Trojan football right here on WFIN. The season opens August 20th at home in Donnell Stadium against the Generals of Anthony Wayne. Join us for all the exciting Trojan action right here on your home of the Trojans. 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. It is Friday, is the final segment of the show, and that can mean only one thing. My wife Kyra has joined us in the studio with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, sunshine. You're <sighs> like barely awake yeah, this know. morning. I got up early. Yeah, you got up early and you still feel, uh, yeah. looking a little groggy. Yeah, here. I'm just so. like blah today. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you'll have that sometimes. I tell you what, we've got a uh, really nice uh, collection of recipes, a couple of different uh, recipes uh, here to share. And uh, as always, uh, they're uh, all easy to make yep. and uh, obviously very tasty. We had these uh, the other night, as yep. a matter of fact. Um, we're going to start this morning with a recipe for garlic butter steak bites and potatoes. Yes. So you've got your main course and side dish all oh, rolled into one, one here. Yeah. <laughs> so this, uh, you need one pound of strip steak cut into bites, a half a teaspoon of garlic powder, half a teaspoon of onion powder, half a teaspoon of Italian seasoning, half a teaspoon of paprika, half a teaspoon of salt to or to your taste, um, a quarter teaspoon of pepper or to your taste, mm-hmm. uh, two tablespoons of olive oil. Uh, that one, that that's kind of flexible also. And three tablespoons of butter, uh, four medium russet potatoes scrubbed and cut into wedges. So combine all your seasonings in a small bowl. Season the steak and potatoes with the seasoning. Heat oil in a large skillet. I used my electric wok. Um, Add potatoes and cook on medium heat until golden brown and tender uh, on the inside. I used like a fork to make sure they were tender. You mentioned that uh, this is another one that you did in the wok, uh, which is great because it's a bit of a bigger uh, pan. Because I was thinking Mm -hmm. at first, this would be great in an iron skillet. Yes. Um, But that may be a little small, depending on how much. Depending on how big big your skillet is. And and again, you know, we're talking about what, four potatoes and and a one-pound strip steak. Right. Uh, so this is enough to serve really about four people. Yeah. Um, we, yep. For us, it's just two of us, so we had right. two meals out yeah, of it. Yeah, we ended up having, but, yeah, I did two things with it. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yep. but you know, it's basically serves uh, four. Right. Uh, you want to cut it in half mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, do it in an iron yep. skillet. That would be yes, uh, perfect, Yes, you could too. do that. So, yes. Anyway, go ahead. So um, if the potatoes start getting too brown, mm-hmm. then you can turn down your heat or you can add a little bit more oil to it. Um, just keep flipping them, make sure, you know, until, and then once they're tender inside then um, remove them from the uh, pan and just set those aside aside then with the same pan um, a one and a half uh, tablespoons of butter um, over medium heat high melt that then um, once the pan is hot add half of the steak cook it um, with my wok, I was able to cook it all at once because mm-hmm. it's bigger right um, um, for about one to two minutes on each side. If the steak is getting too brown, uh, turn down the heat, uh, remove from the remove it from the skillet, place it on a plate with the potatoes and set aside. Uh, cook the remaining steak if needed. Uh, if you have to add some more butter, you know, add some more butter. Serve immediately, immediately with your favorite dipping sauce if you desire. Okay, and it's all done. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is very, very yummy. Yes, and. Uh it cannot go wrong. Again, so kind of a one-skillet meal mm-hmm. right there. Yep. And uh, the garlic butter steak bites and potatoes. And then for dessert, this again is one that we had uh, the other day. Yep. Um, it is a slow cooker berry crisp. Yep. And you're using black raspberries in the recipe. Mm-hmm. Is that what you used when when it's it, when we made it? Yeah. Or is it, I, I was thinking it was... Uh, like blackberries or yep, blueberries was, or that was you a black really, raspberries. I you, got them from the farmer's market downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
but I guess you could really use any kind of berries. Oh, yeah. You, I you mean, could use anything. I mean, you could yeah. use apples. You could use oh, cherries. Yeah. You could use berries. You could use a mixture if you want. I mean, oh, yeah. That would yeah. be good. Mm-hmm. That would be good. Uh, yep. uh, kind of we a just, I had gotten these fresh berries from the farmer's market. So. And fresh is always best. Yes. Uh, especially yes, in especially a recipe in, like this. Yeah, a yeah. recipe like this for so sure. So the slow yeah. cooker berry crisp. So four cups of fresh black raspberries, uh, half a cup of sugar, a uh, half a teaspoon of cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon of ground clove, one tablespoon of cornstarch. That's for um, the that's berry. That's for the base. Yeah, mm-hmm. the berry mixture yep. there. Okay. Then for your crisp, you need a quarter cup of all-purpose flour, three-fourths cup of rolled oats, a half a teaspoon of cinnamon, a quarter cup of packed brown sugar, and five tablespoons of butter melted. Okay. So... Add the berries with your uh, sugar and your spices and your your cornstarch to a large bowl. Toss that, mix that up well. Uh, Set it aside. Then in another bowl, add the flour, the oats, the cinnamon, brown sugar to a medium bowl and whisk until combined. Uh, Then pour your melted butter over the flour mixture. Uh, Toss with a fork uh, until everything is nice and moist and well combined. Uh, pour the berry mixture into the slow cooker and um, and kind of make it even, yeah, even uh, with out the, the spoon. Yeah, mm-hmm. even out the top. Yep. yep. Then because then... You add the flour mixture with your oats uh, over that, over the berries, um, and then kind of evenly flatten that out with mm-hmm. a spoon. Uh, put the lid on. Um, I... Put a paper towel yeah. on top of my crock pot. Then I put my lid on. That helps so you that moisture you that get gets on your lid right, yeah. doesn't drip down onto yeah. my crisp. Yeah. So my crisp stays crispy. So your crisp is not soggy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And cook for two hours on high or three and a half to four hours on low and serve with your favorite vanilla ice cream. Yeah. Vanilla ice cream is, uh, is yeah. the topper on that one. I mean, yes. it's good by itself, but you add maybe some uh, Dietrich vanilla ice cream. Oh, and yeah. Mm, 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 yeah. Mm, mm, that is Very good, good stuff. Yep. So the recipes for the garlic butter steak bites and potatoes and the slow cooker berry crisp have been posted on our Facebook page, the WFIN Facebook page. Also, that is linked up at goodmornings.net so you can find it there. Uh, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. And again, as we ha- have said before, Got a couple of minutes here, so I'll yep. uh, mention it again. If there is something that you are looking for, a recipe, mm-hmm. man, I wish I could find a good recipe for yep. whatever. Shoot us an email, and uh, please, you know, Kyra. Probably, I'll start searching. Kyra, I love that, and Kyra, I'll try it, and I'll let you know, uh, and I'll yeah, put it out there. Either uh, she already has a recipe for yep. it, or she can find a recipe for it yep. uh, to share on the uh, on this segment of the show. Uh, so you can uh, shoot us an email, good mornings at wfin.com yep. and make your requests. Or if you have a recipe mm-hmm. that you think is a real winner, well, we'll be the judge of that. No, I'm just kidding. If you have a recipe, <laughs> recipe you want to share. Uh, Kyra's always looking for new recipes to add to her her collection, so by all means shoot us uh, that by email as well. Again, goodmornings.net and uh, it may pop up on a future segment. Yes. Again, my wife Kyra here with uh, her recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Kai, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more details on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, 
That is goodmornings.net. And coming up Monday, time is running out. The special healthcare.gov open enrollment period for those who lost coverage due to a pandemic furlough or layoff ends soon. We have what you need to know in advance of the August 15th deadline. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.